an eventful Tuesday in the Tigers organization. We have the Tigers beating the Royals on Tuesday night. Then we have an introductory press conference for the new general manager of the Detroit Tigers, as well as the Erie Seawolves popping bottles, baby. Let's talk about it all today on Locked on Tigers. You are Locked on Tigers, your daily Detroit Tigers podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Locked On Tigers. I'm, of course, your host, Scott Bentley. Today is Wednesday, September 27th, 2023. Thank you so much for making Locked On Tigers your first listen. Every single day, we are free and available wherever you get your podcasts, including YouTube, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Be sure to check out the SiriusXM app as well. You can search Detroit Tigers. The next thing you know, be listening to the Tigers home radio broadcast anytime, anywhere, straight from the SiriusXM app. The Detroit Tigers won a ball game on Tuesday night by a score of 6-3 to three over the Royals in Comerica Park. The Royals fall to 54-103. and 103. The Tigers improve to 74-83. and 83. The Tigers are a better ball club than the Royals. And so, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm glad they took care of business. Now, it certainly wasn't pretty, okay? Uh, it, it, well, the last four innings were a lot prettier, but the first five innings were not. Uh, this was not a smooth sailing victory, and Zach Grinke kind of sliced and diced you for a little bit. They talked to A.J. Hinge after the game about the slow start, and he had made a comment like, oh, maybe it was West Coast coming West Coast to East Coast. Maybe it was a little bit of, uh, you know, hangover by the by the time change. Like, I'm not really sure, but uh, I'm, I'm glad that they were able to take care of business at the end of the day and leave with a convincing victory after game one in uh, the final homestand of Miguel Cabrera's illustrious Major League Baseball career. Uh, obviously, that'll be the big talking point. That's not news to you. That'll be uh, what everybody talks about over the next five and five, six, five games, five games, math. And it's, I'm hoping we win. Like, really, that that's like, obviously, I want to see, you know, the all the fans there, uh, for all the fans that are planning on attending, by the way. Uh, he will start every single game except Thursday afternoon. Thursday is a day game. It's supposed to be a, a one o'clock or one, whatever it is now, one twenty, whatever uh, start time. And he will not be in the starting lineup for that game, but every single other game the rest of the season, he's in the starting lineup. I don't know if that means maybe off the bench, maybe pinch hitting Thursday's game. I'm not sure what the plan is. All I know is that. All I know is the, the nights that he's going to be in the starting lineup every day, from here on out, except for Thursday. Um, so obviously that'll be what what everybody is focused on. But, uh, you know, he has always said that he just wants to win games. He just wants to keep contributing. I know it's partially like kind of what you want him to say or like that what he has to say. But uh, I genuinely believe him. Like you see him out there and he gets upset when he gets out and he gets pumped when he gets hits and he likes winning. And I think Miguel Cabrera has always liked winning. So um, I, I would like, you know, we're going to, parade him and, and we're going to shower him with gifts that he like said he didn't want at the beginning of the season but we're going to do it anyway and the crowd is going to be packed especially for this final weekend right um and, and that's all going to be awesome but I, I think it would be really cool to like end the season and, and end Miguel Cabrera's career with like some wins I, I just 
You know what I mean? What what a cool storyline it would be if like, oh, the Tigers end Miguel Cabrera's career on a like a five game win streak or something like that, right? Like that'd be that'd be a cool thing. I guess five game win streak's kind of impossible now, but you get my point. So um let's get into the ball game itself. Shout out Miggy, gets a walk in this game. Uh that's it, but we'll take it. Led to a victory. Reese Olsen, big talking point in this game, obviously has been very, very good his last four starts. In this game, his final line was five and two-thirds, five hits, two runs, only one of them earned two walks and seven strikeouts. Important note here before I go any further, after the ball game, A.J. Hinch was asked if Reese Olsen had any percent chance of starting the season finale, right? Because technically, that would be his next time the rotation would be the, the game 162, but AJ Hinch said that there was no chance and that Reese Olsen was done. So that is Reese Olsen's final outing of the 2023 season. And with it, his ERA drops to 399. So there you go. Reese Olsen ends the season with a sub four ERA has obviously been fantastic in the last month or so of the season. Um, I just read his line. I don't need to do that again, but uh, you know, this was a, an interesting start because the first two innings, he was not there. Like he, he was really, I thought he was overthrowing. Uh, AJ had mentioned in the postgame presser that he just wasn't hitting his spots. I thought he was really overthrowing the baseball. Um, and kind of a, a tall tale sign of overthrowing is uh, when, when you're spiking the ball glove side, right in the dirt glove, like so low that it spiked uh, to your glove side that that's usually uh, a sign of overthrowing and, and that he was doing that a lot with really all of his pitches. I also thought that even when he was commanding well, that, and Carson Kelly's done a great job behind the dish. We'll talk about him a little bit later. Uh, but I, I thought that Olsen was trying to uh, not to like pile on the dude, but I, I felt like he was Alex Langing it in the sense that like he knows that he can get swings and misses on all of this stuff. So he was just trying to get everybody to chase and get a whiff out of the strike zone on like everything. Uh, and so it was just a combination of all of those things for me. The first, like I said, two innings, maybe the first time through the lineup is a fair way to put it. And then after that, he snapped back to reality up there goes gravity, right? Like he, he snapped into it and just was locked the heck in his numbers after the game, the seven strikeouts in less than six innings is obviously very impressive. He ended this game with 22 whiffs, 22. That is a remarkably high number. Um, I would imagine that at the end of the season, when, when we get into the off season and we can pull up, you know, highest whiff performances by Tigers pitchers all year, that is going to be up there. I don't think it's going to be number one, but like it, it's going to be high. <laughs> it's going to be high on that list. Um, that is a that is a remarkably high number. 48 swings the Royals had in this ball game. 46% of those 48 swings Nothing on the other side, just complete swings and misses. That's very impressive. Uh, 36% CSW percentage, solid again, after especially after a slow start to this ball game. So, uh, yeah, and he, I mean, he walked like the second battery faced, and then like the rest of the game only walked one more batter, like really just kind of turned around and, and really locked in. And, and 
You know, I, that's a huge deal to me. Like, that's something that made Verlander so special, right? And I, I'm before I get the comments, I'm not comparing Reese Olsen, you know, half a season into his major league career to Justin Verlander, but uh, it's a it's a trait. It's a single trait uh, that Verlander was so good at, and that was in game adjustments, right? Verlander would go out there. And he would allow, you know, base runners and he would have, you know, consistent runners in scoring position the first time through the lineup. And it would look kind of messy. And you're like, oh, like he's allowing a lot of base runners. Like we got to find a way to work ourselves out of this again and again. And every inning, you know, he's trying to. And then next thing you know, the seventh and eighth inning, He's blowing 102 by people. There's no base runners, and he strikes out six in two innings, and it's just completely uncompetitive. Like that, that is such a, a an important skill for starting pitchers to have, and uh, to see again, not to that extent. Everybody, calm down. But like to see Reese Olson have that ability to make an in-game adjustment where it was not going well for the first like two two and a half innings. And then the last two and a half innings, it went unbelievably well. Uh, that that's a that's a trait, especially in such a young pitcher, that I don't take lightly. So good for him. The stuff's obviously nasty. We talked about the whiffs. Had five whiffs on his four seam fastball. Round of applause. Round of applause. Been asking for it all year. We'll take that, baby. We'll gladly take it. Uh, let's keep the ball rolling. Going to talk about uh, Zach Grinky a little bit on the other side of the break. Then we're going to talk about uh, the offense, et cetera. And then we got, like I said, introductory presser and the Erie Seawolves championship parade. When? We'll talk about all that right after I tell you all about our friends over at Nutrafol. If you're tired of weakening or thinning hair and you want to reach a full hair potential, leading hair growth supplement Nutrafol helps improve your growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. Nutrafol is the number one dermatologist recommended hair growth supplement clinically shown to improve your hair growth, visible thickness, and visible scalp coverage. The hair growth supplements used physician-formulated natural science-backed ingredients. It's drug-free, patented technology, and provides consistent, reliable results without compromising your sexual health. Go to Nutrafol.com men to take their hair health wellness quiz. Identify causes of your thinning hair, and Nutrafol will give you a personalized plan for better hair health throughout the whole body and whole body wellness. Uh, it supports he healthy hair growth. From within by targeting root causes of thinning such as stress, hormones, environment, nutrition, lifestyle, metabolism, etc., etc. In a clinical study, 84% of men showed improvement in within the first six months of taking Nutrafol. Take the first steps of visibly thicker, healthier hair. For a limited time, Nutrafol is offering our listeners $10 off your first month subscription and free shipping when you go to Nutrafol.com slash men and enter promo code LOCKDOWNMLB. Find out why over 4,000 healthcare professionals recommend Nutrafol for, for their healthier hair. Nutrafol.com slash men. That's N-U-T-R-A-F-O-L.com slash men. And enter promo code LOCKEDONMLB. All right, everybody. Welcome back here. Segment two of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in, making us your first listen every day. Shout out to the everydayers that do tune in every day. We'll be back tomorrow recapping game two against the Kansas City Royals. Uh, 
we'll talk about we'll preview game two at the very end of the show probably another game you should win um as far as game one went six to three victory for your detroit tigers i want to talk about zach granke a little bit you know his final line in this game five innings one hit no earned runs one walk and five strikeouts his era drops to 518 on the season it hasn't been a good year he's lost a lot of games uh, ZRA uh, dropped, like I said, dropped dramatically in this game, but has been pretty high all year. Certainly not what he once was. Uh, the stuff is, is just has gotten to a point where uh, it, it's not swing and miss stuff anymore, I guess is the way to put it. And, you know, for as much as we are giving this, you know, victory parade and, and kind of like farewell tour to Miguel Cabrera, which he has rightfully earned. Uh, Zach Greinke, I, I, maybe he's just like not the type of person to really do that. I don't think he's like guaranteed said officially, like this is my last season. Um, but it, he deserves one too. You know, Zach Greinke has had such an incredible major league baseball career. Uh, and his numbers against the Detroit Tigers, somebody tweeted them out. Jason Beck, maybe Evan Petzold. It was one of our beat writers for sure. He, he has dominated the Detroit Tigers in his career. His numbers against the Tigers in his career are, are unbelievably low, sub three ERA, somewhere in the twos. And his ERA of Comerica Park is also somewhere in the twos. I think it's even lower. <laughs> um, he has been absolutely remarkable. And, and the most impressive thing about Grinke, you know, in the first segment we talked about in-game adjustments, Grinke completely made like career adjustments. Right. Like when Zach Grinky, you know, maybe if you're if you're part of the younger generation, maybe you don't remember or or you just weren't old enough to see it. But Zach Grinky, when he was, you know, winning the Cy Young and was like the face of the Royals the first time around, was like pumping a hundo. <laughs> like that that he was a flamethrower, a the the definition of a flamethrower. He he threw absolute seeds, he threw gas, right? And he had phenomenal secondary stuff right again like Cy Young caliber pitcher consistently throughout most of the the end at least of his Royals tenure um, but when he was coming up it was based on arm strength and when that miles per hour started getting lower and lower and lower he did what what Verlander had to do and they just make adjustments and they you know it's it's there's that quote in Moneyball, right? Adapt or die. Like that's that's what Granky looked in the mirror and said, "Well, I'm not gonna blow 91 past anybody uh, in today's day and age of baseball. So time to reinvent the wheel here." And started just completely messing with timing, and he became one of the most impressive timing manipulators I have ever seen in my entire life. Genuinely, like if, if if I that specific trait, if I the first person that comes to my mind when I think about pitchers that are elite at messing with a hitter's timing, Zach Grinky is one one. He he is the first pitcher, and I'm not saying he that means he's the best, but in my brain, he is the first pitcher that comes to my mind. Absolutely miraculous. Uh, it's it, it's it's. You know, AJ Hinch said after the game, like he is the epitome of the art of pitching. And I I just, I don't know, you know, after this outing was done, apparently he asked for the ball. I think that's a pretty telling sign that he probably is done. And that's probably his last game in Comerica Park. 
If it is, just wanted to give him his flowers, man. Uh, he he deserves it. Zach Krinky with with an incredible career, absolutely uh, should be and and likely will be a Hall of Famer uh, in a few years' time. And it certainly wasn't the greatest final season that he probably wanted as to, in terms of numbers and results. But uh, again, like I think there's a chance that Grinky could pitch the last game of the Royals season. I think that that would be a really cool send off. So um, tip of the cap to Zach Grinky. Just wanted to say that. Um, let's talk about the offense from the Tigers in this ball game. Again, against Zach Grinky, did nothing. Two base runners in five innings. Uh, didn't even have a single runner in scoring position while Grinky was on the mound. Did not get our first runner in scoring position, our first runner past first base until they went to the bullpen. Um, and then, yeah, this this Rose bullpen is just not very good. And they made an error as well, which certainly helped. And the Tigers took advantage. Um, really the biggest talking point offensively in this ball game, obviously the Akil Badu and Parker Meadows back-to-back home runs blew the game open, really sealed the victory. Awesome stuff. Uh, Badu not in the starting lineup in this game, despite it being Zach Greinke, who is someone that he's homered against and like is it's a favor on paper at least a favorable matchup. Um, but came in late, got uh, off the bench, pinch hit off the bench with a righty on the mound, and demolished a baseball 450 feet Akil Badu has so many tools and he's so talented and it's just about putting them all together into getting you know a, a full 162 game season product of, of that uh, of that talent that is within him because he he's uh he is tooled up he, he has a, a ton of tools and then Parker Meadows nice to see him a hanging changeup like that thing was was right it was right down the middle it, it, I don't think you could have thrown it more middle middle than that he did. I guess it was a little high, but uh, a, a hanging changeup. And, and <laughs> as Simo says, you hang it, we bang it. And uh, and that is exactly what Parker Meadows did. So very cool moment there, the back-to-back homers. But um, Spencer Torgelson in this game had a very clutch hit to get the Tigers on the board, right? They were getting shut out. They were down 2 nothing, And Torgelson, I believe with two outs in the inning, gets a hard liner down the third baseline and scores two runs. That's bit when we just talked about that, what, a week ago, not even earlier this week, maybe even maybe it was on Monday's episode. We talked about the Torkelson uh, development path and how the next step in his development is being better and changing his approach to be better with runners in scoring position. And it's nice to see him come through in a situation like that in this game. He has 90 RBIs on the year now. And I know that it was said by a few people. I know Castellani said something about it after the game. Like, if you even made him like close to a league average hitter with risp, uh, you're talking about a guy that would already be well over 100 RBIs this year. So that's going to be his next step in the development. If he wants to be a solidified middle of the order, you know, top of the lineup bat for a playoff team, he needs to to be better with runners in scoring position. That's what made you know to full circle moment. That's what made Prime Miggy one of the many reasons that made prime Miggy so great was that like Miguel Cabrera never tried to do too much at the plate ever, never tried to do too much. He just gave what the pitcher was offering and, uh, and I guess took whatever the pitcher gave him. Right. And if that meant it was going to be a a soft single over the first baseman's head, that was still going to score the runner from third. 
never tried to do too much, always just went with the baseball, went with the pitches that were given to him. And obviously Spencer Torgelson is, is not going to be Miguel Cabrera, but uh, certainly prime Miguel Cabrera. Um, but if he can just get better with that and be a 30 home run, hundred plus RBI OPS and eight hundreds type of hitter, I think that that is this working. And I think that that is a good spot for Torkelson to be at next year. So um, that's a, a, a big thing and a, and a cool moment in the ball game, and definitely one that without it, I mean, who even knows what the ball game looks like if uh, if Torkelson doesn't come through in that situation. So um, as far as the only other thing I really want to add is defensively, Carson Kelly had a phenomenal game again. I feel like I've said that a million times. I'm really coming around on Carson Kelly a lot. Uh, he's a catcher, so like I was always going to, but um, he's he's had a really really solid defensive tenure with the Detroit Tigers. It's just a matter of next year for your backup catcher role. Are you okay sacrificing? Like his average is sub 200 with the Tigers, though, and his OPS on the season is 575. Are you okay with sacrificing? Uh, offense at the backup catcher position for good defense. I think most teams are, but I also don't think that it's a guarantee that they pick up the option, free agency, trades, et cetera. There's still plenty of other ways to improve that position if they so please. So we'll see what happens. We'll have that conversation a little bit more in the winter. Um, but defensively, Carson Kelly's been an absolute dog for this team uh, since coming over. So uh, I think that's pretty much it. Yeah, I think. Parker Meadows, good game. No strikeouts. OPS back up to 700 for Parker Meadows. Average up to 223. Had that big slump, but uh, seems to be hitting the ball better lately. Hitting non-fastballs as well, but also still hitting fastballs. He's looked good. He's looked a lot better at the plate. Matt Verling took one of the worst routes I've ever seen in left field. Kerry Carpenter, still no power. Andy Ibanez hit. Okay, I'm just going player by player at this point. That's pretty much everything I wanted to highlight. Let's get to... Off the field stuff. That's it for this ball game. Six to three win. Good job. Do it again to tonight, I guess, as you're listening to this. Let's talk about the press conference for Jeff Greenberg, the 20th general manager in the history of the Detroit Tigers. We'll do that right after I tell y'all about our friends over at Jace Medical. Everyone should be empowered to care for themselves and their loved ones during the unexpected. That's why Jace Medical offers the Jace case. The Jace case provides five life-saving antibiotics for emergency use and gives you peace of mind so that you are not just hoping to have access to medication in an emergency. Jace Medical takes makes sure that you have medication in hand and it's simple. They handle everything from online evaluations to licensed pharmacy medication delivery and ongoing consultation and care. Don't get caught unprepared. Get $20 off of these life-saving antibiotics today by from Jace Medical by using the code LOCKEDON at checkout at jacemedical.com. That's J-A-S-E medical.com. All right, everybody, welcome back here. Third and final segment of Locked On Tigers. Appreciate y'all for tuning in as always. Um, so Tigers win game one off the field, a big day as well as the Detroit Tigers welcome Jeff Greenberg to the organization. He is the 20th general manager in the history of the Detroit Tigers. So we talked about this when the announcement was made, right? And we talked about how... Uh, Greenberg was second in command to Harris. This was still going to be the Scott Harris show. And Harris was asked about how they were going to divvy up his, I don't know if roles the right word, but how they're going to, to, to divide and conquer. How are they going to divvy up? Who was going to be in charge of what? 
in terms of what Greenberg was going to be in charge of and what Harris was going to be in charge of. And Scott Harris's answer was, quote, we are going to structure it as a true partnership. We're not going to divide departments up between us. I think that that's really fascinating. Um, I don't have too many opinions on what was said at the press conference. I think it was a lot of just like GM speak and, and you know, front office speak that, you know, where they say a lot and it doesn't really mean a whole lot. Um, but there are a few quotes in there, and that was one. That, that's an important question. Whoever – I didn't pay attention. That's my fault to who asked that question. But whoever did, uh, it's, it's, it's a phenomenal question to ask because uh, that, that is a, a situation – and Harris admitted that's a situation that every organization is unique in that sense, right? There is no – I think Harris's quote was, there is no blueprint to how you divide and conquer between those two roles. Um, there, there is no standard. Every organization, some GMs cover certain areas. Some have a true like I'm your boss. Some are more even like a little bit more level. And Harris's was, again, I, I just read you the quote, more of a, a quote unquote, a true partnership. And, and he said as an example that he had he felt like he had a true partnership when he was the general manager in San Francisco. Um, while I, I understand the sentiment, I, I would say that if it was truly a 50, 50 split, then why did you leave to take a president of baseball ops job? Um, I like that, which again is like, I, I'm not dogging on him. Uh, that that's just I, like, I, I need to reiterate, like, this is still Scott Harris. All decisions go through him. He is still top dog here, but it is interesting that Greenberg's not going to have a certain like department or area that he's. Uh, expected to be at the top of. He is just going to kind of also oversee everything, but just be the person right below Scott Harris. And and uh, I, I'm fine with it. I don't have like, a, oh, that's good or bad for the organization. Like I said, every organization is different. It works for some. It doesn't work for some. So I have no reason to to right now on September 26th, he's been the GM for a day. I, I, have, uh, I have no reason to think that that uh won't work out but uh again it's it's a t to each their own type of situation the other thing that caught my eye i'm not saying scott harris listens to the show all i'm saying i'm, I'm joking of course but um the other quote that was noticeable was he made it very clear very clear that uh greenberg is not someone that just shares the same ideas as Scott Harris and that he is someone that uh, even when they worked together with the Cubs would consistently, you know, they, they kept talking about how they would get into arguments and healthy debates all the time. And like they, they, I think at one point he even said like in the Cubs, they didn't agree on anything and uh, how they had very different approaches and viewpoints to certain players and certain, you know, systems and, and whatnot. And so, uh, the fact that he really drove that home made me feel like he understood that that was a red flag for some people. I guess is what I'm I'm going is how I'm going to word it, right? Like I I think he understood that like he wanted to to really reassure people that this dude is not just a yes man. He's not just going to come in and agree with everything Scott Harris has to say. They don't just agree on everything. Uh, and, and like, that was like maybe the most talked about point of the entire press conference legitimately that that's how, that's how adamant uh, both parties were. And, and, and the people asking questions as well, 
were that like, hey, this guy disagrees with me a lot. And we get into debates all the time. So um, take with that, again, with what you will. I, I'm, I don't know these guys. I, I've never been in a room with them where they've disagreed on something. I don't know how much truth there is to it, but it's nice to hear at least at a bare minimum, given that it was one of my concerns going into it. Um, and yeah, that's really all I have from it. Um, I, I, like a lot of stuff we already knew. And I, I, the only other thing I will say about it is I, I, I liked how Greenberg answered questions. I liked how he held himself. Uh, I, uh, you know, we kind of talked about it when he got hired, but there's a lot of articles out there about his impact with the Chicago Blackhawks. And I know that everybody, you know, he got hired and people were like, Oh, we're such a joke. We're hiring a hockey person. He spent, he said in the presser, he's like, I spent 17 years working in a baseball front office. Uh, he spent 11 working for the Cubs front office. Like this is not a hockey guy. He spent 12 months working with the Blackhawks or like 15 months or something. Um, but he, you know, all the articles about his time with the Blackhawks are fascinating because they talk about how he is so data driven. And obviously we know Scott Harris is too. And talked about how like his impact on the front office was all surrounded by his ability to, uh, I don't know if like code is the right word. I'm not like super tech savvy, but like to, to have, to integrate, I guess I'll say all of these systems within the front office and to use it as a resource for the entire front office. And so um, any way in which, the Tigers feel that they can get a leg up in the data department. I think Scott Harris is going to jump all over, which is why I think Jeff Greenberg is your 20th general manager in Tigers history. Am I mad about it? No, uh, not at all. Like I said, I, I, I have no reason to be, I, I think it's preposterous to say that like, this is guaranteed going to go one way or the other, whether it's good or bad one day into this, uh, at the end of the day, it's, it's a, it's a second in command hire to, um, to, to Scott Harris. So, uh, I, I liked how Greenberg handled himself. I liked how he answered questions. I'm a fan one day in. <laughs> well, 24 hours in, he gets two thumbs up from me. Uh, obviously, this offseason will be very telling, and I look forward to hearing from hopefully both of them. I, I don't just want Greenberg to just be like some in-the-background figure. I want to hear from both of them as, as often as I can. So we'll see how this, uh, as Scott Harris calls it, this partnership in the front office goes from here on out. But that is your new direction of the Detroit Tigers. Seems to be very analytically driven, which I know will upset some people inherently and excite some people. So, uh, but regardless of where you stand, that's where the Tigers are headed. We'll end the show by talking about the Erie Seawolves, who clinched the Eastern League title. Popping bottles in Erie, Pennsylvania. I think I put out there, uh, uh, Erie, Erie, Pennsylvania equals title town, baby. Uh, it was really cool to see. And, you know, honestly, like the Erie Seawolves, they made the playoffs last year, and this is their first Eastern League championship in, in franchise or organization. No, franchise, right? Yeah, franchise history. Um, but it, it's, uh, it, it's, it was cool. It was very cool. They smoked them. They won 10 to nothing. Uh, good old-fashioned two-game sweep uh, in a three-game set, obviously, and, and they took the first two games. So, yeah, very cool. A lot of players went through the Erie Seawolves this year. I think that that's a, a sign of a healthy prospect pool. I'm not going to take too much out of it because it's not all like top prospects going there, right? But uh, in the same breath, like double A, when your double A team is good, that that's usually a good sign. Usually, you know, case by case. But because at the beginning of the season, if they're good, 
then those guys get promoted to AAA. And the second half of the season, if they're good, that means that the guys that started out in West Michigan got promoted and are still doing well. You know what I'm saying? So having a, a good, solid AA season with a lot of roster turnover at the AA level uh, is really there, – there's no there's no downside. There's no bad part to that. So congratulations to the Erie Seawolves. Congratulations to Gabe Alvarez as well, the manager for the Seawolves. He was named the Eastern League Manager of the Year, uh, like right before – this game. So a, a very eventful day for him. Uh, very cool day and cool to see a champion within the Tigers organization, especially when, again, so many players that played on that team are presumed to be, and not necessarily end of the season on the team, but at some point have played for the Seawolves this year and contributed, even if it was just one game to this successful season, uh, look to be on the Tigers roster at some point in the future, right? Colt Keith was on, you know, Erie at some point this season for uh, a little bit. Um, I mean, you can go down the list, the pitching, right? Flores obviously played in one of these games, started one of these games. Jackson Job ended the season there. Uh, I, I mean, the, the list really goes on and on. So uh, even guys that are now at, at the major league level, it's cool. It's very cool. Very cool thing for, uh, for the organization. Like I said, the first time in franchise history for the Erie Seawolves. Next year, have the target on their back, baby. Going in as the reigning champs. Very cool. Seeing all the videos of them popping bottles. And the crowd was very lively. You know, they packed UMPC. I always get the letters mixed up, Park. Uh, just a very, very cool moment in our organization. Awesome stuff. So congratulations one last time to the Erie Seawolves. You are 2023 Eastern League champions. 10 to nothing victory. Wasn't even close, baby. Wasn't even close. Um, game two for this series at the major league level will be Tarek Skubal going for the Detroit Tigers. And then the Kansas City Royals are opening with Jonathan Bowlin, who is making his major league debut. Major league debut as an opener on the road. That is a, a tough situation for a kid. Uh, obviously wishing him nothing but the best, but uh, maybe, you know, in his next outing. maybe. <laughs> um, but the Tigers should be able, hopefully, it sounds like it's going to be a bullpen game. They might have a piggyback starter, eat a majority of the innings there, but um, looks like, uh, and with Scooble on the mound, sub three ERA on the season now for Tarek and what could be his last outing of the year as well. We'll see how they play it. So uh, that's all I got. Thanks for making us your first listen every day. Appreciate you all for tuning in. We'll be back tomorrow. Recapping game two. Peace and love. Going to therapy's dope. I'll catch you all then, baby. Go Tigers.